0: How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider
1: myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations."
0: The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms.
2: Get the unmissable news stories of the day.
3: This is the Beijing Hour.
4: Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now, here's your host. Shane Bigham with you on this Friday, November 17th, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, the leaders of China and Japan have met at the APEC Summit in San Francisco, reaffirming commitment to four political and strategic documents. Israel's military says it's found tunnels and weapons under a hospital in the Gaza Strip. And Spain's incumbent prime minister secures a new term following a controversial deal with Catalan separatists. In business, China's planning further efforts to support economic growth. In sports, Team China's comeback win at the World Cup qualifiers. In culture and entertainment, celebrating China's long history of poetry, painting, and calligraphy. Now checking the day's top stories. Chinese and Japanese leaders have reaffirmed their commitment to four political documents governing bilateral relations and strategic reciprocity between the two sides. The statement came after Chinese President Xi Jinping and Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida uh, met on the sidelines of the APEC economic leaders' meeting in San Francisco. President Xi urged the two sides to view each other's development objectively and manage their differences in a constructive manner. The Chinese president says the country's high-quality development and high-level opening up will provide opportunities to other countries, including Japan. President Xi also met with Brunei Sultan Haji Hassanal Bokia, reaffirming China's willingness to advance the Belt and Road cooperation with Brunei. He expressed China's readiness to import more quality products from Brunei and encouraged more Chinese businesses to invest in the Southeast Asian country. Xi Jinping suggested the two sides strengthen cooperation in areas such as food security, the digital economy, and green development. Earlier, President Xi also had bilateral meetings with leaders from mexico peru and fiji jiao yunfei has more from san francisco
5: president Xi said uh, during the talks with japanese prime minister kishida he cherished the 45th anniversary of signing of the china-japan treaty of peace and friendship and presidency called for peaceful coexistence and common prosperity he also has met with his uh, Mexican counterpart. The two leaders have agreed upon core interests, including finance cooperation as well as um, electric cars. The two countries can further discuss um, anti-narcotics uh, cooperation. During his meeting with Peru counterpart, uh, President Xi calls for the uh, uh, cooperation in trade, in energy and minerals, and um, China support agricultural products. Uh, the Peru side says that they want to develop green economy and um, co-work Belt and Road Initiative. During his talk with um, Sultan of Brunei, President Xi says that uh, the two countries have shared time-honored friendship since they have established a diplomatic relationship 30 years ago. Uh, when President Xi met with Fiji Prime Minister, he also mentioned the relationship between the two countries and saying that the relationship be to- between the two countries have stood the test of changes. Uh, he also attended uh, a lunch with the APEC host guest at this segment, he, te- he mentioned a lot about the green development as well as achieving the goal of 2030 UN Sustainable Development Agenda.
4: That was Zhao Yunfei on Chinese President Xi Jinping's bilateral meetings with world leaders on the sidelines of the APEC meetings in San Francisco. Chinese President Xi Jinping's emphasized the importance of sustainable development for the world, calling it the golden key to addressing current global issues. Speaking at the APEC leaders informal dialogue with the host nation in San Francisco, President Xi called on APEC member economies to further consolidate consensus and take action to drive global sustainable development forward. He also urged global efforts to forge a new path for green development and to address climate change. Earlier, the Chinese president delivered a written speech, at the APEC CEO Summit, calling for unity to achieve better Asia-Pacific cooperation. He says development for all is the overarching goal of Asia-Pacific cooperation, and seeking common ground while shelving differences is the best practice. President Xi says development's only possible with cooperation, and decoupling and supply chain disruptions are not in anyone's interest. The president says China remains the most powerful engine of global growth and will generate one-third of global growth this year. He says China remains committed to pursuing development with its doors open. The chairman of the China Council for the Promotion of International Trade says President Xi Jinping's written statement of the APEC CEO Summit in San Francisco is a message of open economy and more opportunities in China. Uh, Ren Hongbin says it's a positive signal for foreign investment and businesses in the country. President Xi Jinping's written speech fully demonstrates China's commitment to high-level
6: opening up, promoting the construction of an open-world economy, strengthening economic integration in the Asia-Pacific region, and promoting economic globalization as a major country.
4: Well, stats show that China's ranked second in the world in attracting foreign investment for five consecutive years. Wednesday's meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and U.S. President Joe Biden was closely watched by the rest of the world. Miro Lu spoke to Choi Xing Kwok, director and CEO of the ISIS Youssef Ishak Institute in Singapore. He says the meeting's a good and positive beginning to improve relations between the two economic powers.
3: Mr. Choi, you said in a recent media interview during your visit to the Xiangshan Forum that China-U.S. competition will be there for quite a long time because the competition is structural. The key is how to manage it. Now we've had this breakthrough at the very top level. What kind of lasting impact can we expect from this meeting?
7: For me, I am relieved that it took place. I'm also encouraged that both sides see that it is important to have this meeting and that this is something that is recognised as good for the two sides because the meeting took place and also that it is also good for the rest of the world. I think it is is just a change in the tone and also the change in the direction and of course it is only possible to make such a change in tone at the top level. I think there are still a lot of issues to be addressed uh, but at least there are several uh, good outcomes, several agreements uh, one of which I think is uh, sought, sought by the U.S. Uh, very much, which is to restore the military-to-military relationship. I think that is actually not just good for the U.S., it's good for the rest of the world. I would say that uh, the rest of the world also kind of feels a sense of relief that the military-to-military relationship is kind of back on track. Um, what does it do? It basically helps to ensure that if there are misunderstandings on the two sides, that that misunderstanding can be uh, kind of uh, addressed through communications between both sides.
3: What can we expect from the APEC leaders' meeting?
7: I do think the meeting between uh, President Xi and uh, President Biden is the the most critical outcome in San Francisco. And might I say also that... Uh, it is uh, important that uh, not only is there a restoration of a to male relationship, but also uh, the uh, beginning of an attempt to bring together a people-to-people understanding uh, through greater flights, greater exchanges between the, the, the two countries, whether it's a students level or journalist level uh, or business level, with US China on a sound footing, then cooperation on many other issues such as uh, artificial intelligence regulation, and also which will also be kind of on the agenda in APEC, could make some progress.
4: That was Mira Lu speaking to Choi Shin Kwok, director and CEO of the IC's Yusuf Ishak Institute in Singapore. A member of the APEC 2023 host committee has lauded the role of China in the San Francisco event. Xu Peng, a co chair of the committee, also says this year's APEC bonds China closer with the rest of the participating economies and shows its goodwill.
8: This year's, we talk about building a resi- sustainable and resilient future for everybody in the APEC economy, not a single country. I mean, China are definitely one of the major players that are capable to help the world solving the global challenge. We have speakers, we have representative, CEO from China. These people, they actually work as a, um, a bond to help the other people in the world to understand the importance of China's economy and also the importance of Chinese technology.
4: San Francisco is hosting the world's top-notch companies and economic leaders, as well as local universities and communities, uh, for the ongoing APEC week. Uh, Shu is right in the middle of the scene and says it's an opportunity for all participants to share long-lasting memories in a mood of cooperation and togetherness.
8: I wish this year's APEC, all the participants, no matter you are a CEO, you are a business leader, community leader, or you are world leaders, or you may even be a student, to actually share a memory with your colleague, with your friend, That memory shared among both of you, creating a legacy for the APEC to pass on from year after year.
4: APEC week ends on Friday with the APEC Economic Leaders Meeting. And Peru will assume the year-long rotating leadership of APEC at the end of the month and preside over the annual meeting of the 21 members next year. Dan Collins spoke with local experts and scholars on how trade with China can help to boost Peru's economy.
9: Trade with China has been crucial to Peru's stellar growth over two decades. From 1995 to 2023, Peruvian exports to China increased by more than 40 times, from $363 million to $17.7 billion. Peru has held the rolling presidency of the Asia-Pacific Regional Economic Forum twice before but the third occasion could not come at a better time. Peru's finance minister Alex Contreras announced last month that the economy is in recession. Growth in the country once considered the star in Latin America has stagnated for more than two quarters China is South America's top trading partner and Peru is no exception the Asian giant has also been a major source of foreign direct investment for the country its demand for raw materials from copper-rich Peru has powered GDP growth since the early 2000s now the construction of a new Pacific port in Chiang Kai, just north of Peru's coastal capital could revitalize bilateral trade.
6: APEC is a great opportunity for us to show that from the Peruvian-Chinese investment sector we are ready to attract companies from around the world.
9: The port is a private venture between Chinese state-owned conglomerate Costco Shipping Ports Limited with 60% of its stake and the Peruvian mining company Volcan with 40%. A huge initial investment of $3.6 billion is being made into the Costco Megaport, which will form part of China's Belt and Road Initiative. Rosario Santa Gadea, director with the Center for China and Asia-Pacific Studies at Lima's Pacific University, says the port would reconnect Peru with global value chains.
3: If we can uh, design and implement a Trans-Pacific Economic Corridor between Peru and China, based on Chiang Kai and the Special Economic Zone uh, um, uh, related to that uh, port, then we will move in the right direction.
9: A Special Economic Zone is also planned to include an industrial park around the port to take advantage of China's huge marketplace.
4: That was Dan Collins reporting. Coming up, Israeli troops say they've found weapons and tunnels under Al Shifa Hospital.
10: From sustainability and digitalization to trade, health and energy security, 21 major Asian-Pacific economies gathered to address the most pressing global challenges and to create a future of sustainable economic growth. Join CGTN for our coverage of APEC 2023.
4: 14 minutes past the hour, the Israeli military says it's uncovered a Hamas tunnel and weapons at Gaza's al-Shifa hospital. Hamas has denied Israel's claim. Israel says its army withdrew from the hospital on Wednesday, 16 hours after storming it, but tanks and forces are still stationed in the vicinity. Palestinian medics have expressed concern for the lives of hundreds of patients and medical staff at al-Shifa hospital, which has run out of fuel and been cut off for, uh, for more than a day after Israeli uh, forces entered. The Gaza Health Ministry says more than 11,000 Palestinians have died since the conflict began. Israel says the number of deaths on its side stands at 1,200. The United Nations is looking for ways to evacuate Al-Shifa Hospital, but options are limited by security and logistical constraints. Sam Mednick with the Associated Press has more from Jerusalem.
11: Israel's military said on Thursday that it found the body of a hostage, Yehudit Wise. This was in northern Gaza next to the El Shifa hospital. Her body is going to be repatriated to her family in Israel, said the military. Now, they found her as part of these ongoing raids into the al-Shifa hospital. Israel says that Hamas uses this hospital as a command and control center and is coming under increasing pressure to find evidence that this is actually a command center. The United States also says it has intelligence that speaks to this. So far, Israel has produced images of what it says are weapons found inside the hospital, as well as duffel bags of RPGs, as well as grenades and they say that they have found underground tunnels. But they have not provided evidence to show that it is actually a command center. Hamas has negated these allegations, saying that they don't use it for their operations. When Israel entered the al-Shifa hospital, it said that it took medics as well as Arabic speakers in order to assist. The hospital has had no fuel for days. Doctors said that it's resulted in the death of at least 40 people, including three premature babies. There are another 36 babies whose lives are hanging in the balance because there is no electricity. Now, Israel's raid into this hospital is part of its efforts to consolidate power in northern Gaza and it does appear that it is now looking to expand its military operations to the south of Gaza. On Thursday, people in the south said that leaflets were being dropped from the air telling them in certain areas to leave and go elsewhere. But I spoke to people in southern Gaza and they were asking the question, where are they supposed to go? There's no safe place. Israel had told people to move from the north to the south, but now there are hundreds of thousands of people in the south unsure of where they should go. Also on Thursday, power was once again cut in Gaza. There were no telecommunications. It makes it hard for people to communicate with each other and for aid groups to bring assistance.
4: That was Sam Mednick reporting from Jerusalem. Rescue workers have renewed efforts to reach 40 people trapped for a fifth day inside of a collapsed highway tunnel in India. They've been drilling through rock and soil debris during the rescue operation at the site in Uttarakhand. The plan is to create space for a pipe for the trapped people to crawl to safety. Federal Deputy Highway Minister V.K. Singh says they've been providing the trapped people with necessities and they remain in contact with them. In the two-kilometre stretch, there is electricity and water supply, and we're sending them food as well. We're also talking to them. Our priority is to save them all, to get them out at the earliest, and for that, all kinds of efforts are being made. The tunnel collapsed on Sunday. The project aims to connect four Hindu pilgrimage sites through or rather 890 kilometres of roads. Authorities have not said what caused that tunnel to cave in. A fierce storm with hurricane-force wind gusts is swept through parts of South Florida. Homes and streets are submerged, power lines are down, and trees have fallen over. Residents say the existing sewer system cannot handle the intense rainfall. It started very, very early in the morning, pouring rain, and it kept on going, again, kept on going, and the level on in the street kept on going up, going up, and going up, up until it went over the curve.
12: In the 20 years I have been in Miami, this is the first time I have seen this situation. If it had been a super strong storm, there would be no one left.
4: More than 86,000 homes and businesses across various counties are still without power early on Thursday afternoon. Four people, including two pilots, died in Indonesia when two military aircraft crashed into a mountainside during training. Two Embraer Super Tucano planes took off from Malang on Thursday, uh, Thursday morning before losing contact half an hour later during regular formation training. An Air Force spokesperson says two pilots and two co pilots were found on a mountainside near Mount uh, Bromo. And the planes were believed to have hit a steep incline. Indonesia has poor air safety records despite having uh, a reliable heavily on air transport to connect its thousands of islands. it suffered three major commercial plane crashes in the past nine years. Coming up, Spain's incumbent prime minister secures a new term in office.
13: Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations.
1: Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform. And get ready to dive in.
4: 19 minutes past the hour. Spain has a new government, almost four months after its general election in July. After five years as Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez has won a new four-year term. But it comes at the cost of a very divisive amnesty deal for Catalan separatists. Ken Brown reports from Madrid. 116
6: days since the
4: July 23rd general election and Spain
6: finally has a government. Pedro Sánchez will be Prime Minister for a second term after he was re-elected in Congress by 179 to 171 votes. Joy for Spain's left who prove their powers of diplomacy by bringing together a broad coalition that includes Basque and Catalan separatist parties.
14: We have opted for the path of dialogue, we have opted for the path of forgiveness, we have opted for the path of understanding. Even though it's very difficult, because the positions are very different, we have put negotiations before imposition, we have put reunion before revenge, in short, unity before fracture.
6: It's a spectacular story of political survival for Sanchez following disastrous local and regional elections in May. With many saying this was the end of his progressive government, calling early elections in July proved a masterstroke, rallying the socialist political base. The price of a broad coalition has been a divisive one, however, for support of Catalan Nationalist Party Junts. Pedro Sanchez has agreed to a controversial amnesty deal for Catalan politicians, like one of the chief architects of the illegal independence referendum in 2017, Carles Puigdemont. Puigdemont and hundreds of others are now free to return to Spain. That has infuriated the right and the far right and we've seen almost two weeks of protests and unrest on the streets of Madrid. Following the vote, conservative opposition leader Alberto Núñez Feijó told Sanchez that the amnesty law was a mistake.
0: Your time as Prime Minister will be remembered for the image of former Catalan regional leader Carlos Puigdemont returning to Catalonia without any consequences. I guarantee that for this and for many other things, history won't grant you an amnesty.
6: Sanchez argues that the amnesty is a necessary step towards healing the nation and stopping the rise of the far right. He points to 80% of Catalans in favour, but across Spain, one poll showed 70% are against it. The work of bringing the country together once more begins with voices of discontent loud and another huge
4: protest planned for this Saturday. That was Ken Brown reporting on the new government in Spain. Counting is underway after the first round of voting in the presidential election in Madagascar. Uh, Voters will select among 13 candidates for the national leader over the next five years. The opposition says the participation rate was the lowest in history. Uh, Some voters were not able to cast their ballots as they could not find their names on
12: the electoral list. I took the necessary steps to be on the electoral list. I went everywhere to tag, but to no avail. The polling stations will be closing soon. And I really wanted to vote.
4: 10 out of the 12 opposition candidates have called on their supporters to abstain from voting and pushed for a postponement of the election. They say incumbent president André Raicholina should be disqualified due to his French citizenship, but the highest court has ruled him eligible. Authorities have imposed curfews in some areas to thwart acts of sabotage, such as the burning of polling stations. If no candidate wins more than 50% of the vote, the two candidates with the highest number We'll proceed to a runoff, and that'll be next month. China says it's willing to share emergency management experience and training with Belt and Road partner countries. The Ministry of Emergency Managements announced a new cooperation platform at a forum in Beijing. Representatives from 81 countries and international organizations attended the ministerial level gathering which focused on safety and prevention. Nicaraguan ambassador to China Michael Campbell says it's a great opportunity to cooperate in disaster and prevention or rather disaster prevention and relief.
8: We are exchanging information. Uh, We heard uh, Vice Premier uh, speak this evening, and he mentioned something very important, that China's approach to uh, disaster risk reduction and emergency management is science-based. So exchanging information and and developing capacities, always evaluating and improving uh, the the response is something that is fundamental. Sharing that experience, with other countries, the 30 other countries of the Belt and Road Initiative, are, are is something very important. I think that has to be the first step.
4: Bosnian-Herzegovina Ambassador Sanisa Bergian says the platform enables Belt and Road countries to exchange experience from each other. Of course, my country,
8: as many countries in the world, is not immune to these disasters. Uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina is 70% Helimatonin's country. And we have uh, we experienced, we face many soil erosions which in uh, fact jeopardize people's life and also floods. I would say that China established a very unique uh, emergency management system and uh, we are trying to learn uh, from China's uh, experience how to advance uh, our emergency uh, management system uh, as that is very important uh, to uh, save uh, people's, people's life.
4: Participants released a joint statement at the end of the session, agreeing to enhance cooperation in emergency response and training. Some prisoners have become the first group of incarcerated people in the United States to earn bachelor's degrees from a top 10 university in the country. Sixteen inmates imprisoned at Statesville Correctional Center in Crest Hill, Illinois, received their degrees from Northwestern University. Fifty-one-year-old Michael Broadway collected his degree in social sciences.
6: It's a feeling I never felt before. If I feel it again, I'll be able to describe it, give it a word. But right now... I have no words for it. I mean, it's just otherworldly. Coming from where I came from, the things that I've been through, and to be here, it's indescribable.
4: Jennifer Lackey is the founding director of the Northwestern Prison Educating or Education Program. She says the uh, commencement is a real uh, life-changing and unique experience for the prisoners.
15: I mean, 20
3: years ago, some of these guys were in rival gangs, you know? And here they are swapping poetry with each other and giving, you know, critical engagements on so, you know, sociology assignments. And so I think that, um, you know, the, the love and growth um, that we see in the community um, is really unlike anything I've experienced uh, at the on-campus commencements.
4: The Northwestern Prison Education Program is the only bachelor's degree-granting program for inmates offered by a top 10 university in the United States, and currently around 100 students are enrolled in that program. British police have charged two young boys in the murder of a 19-year-old in the central English city of Wolverhampton. The 12-year-old boys are facing charges of uh, possessing a bladed article as well. They'll appear at Birmingham Magistrates Court on Friday. The police haven't revealed why the stabbing happened. More than half a million refugees in Chad face food shortages in the coming month if they don't receive extra funding. A U.N. agency official says urgent funding is needed to ensure that about 800,000 people get at least one meal a day. Over 500,000 Sudanese refugees arrived seven months ago. Uh, many are from West Darfur, where ethnically driven violence erupted once again this month. Uh, the official says the agency needs 25 million U.S. dollars
15: Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there.
4: 28 minutes past the hour now. Uh, Beijing's down to minus two overnight. It'll be followed by sunny skies and a high of 12 on Saturday. Chong, uh, Chongqing's down to nine degrees, then cloudy in 17. Lass at zero this evening, then cloudy in 12 degrees. Hong Kong's down to 16, then sunny skies in 23. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 12 overnight. It'll be partly cloudy in 16 on Saturday. Islamabad's down to 13, then cloudy in 25. Bangkok's at 23 degrees overnight, then partly cloudy skies in 30. In Africa, Nairobi has scattered showers in 24 degrees. And uh, finally to Oceania. Uh, Sydney's at 15 this evening, then partly cloudy skies in 25. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, the leaders of China and Japan have met at the APEC summit in San Francisco, reaffirming commitment to four political and strategic documents. Israel's military says it's found tunnels and weapons under a hospital in the Gaza Strip. And Spain's incumbent prime minister has secured a new term in office. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on The Beijing Hour.
0: Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music talks. Witness the sound of antiquity
9: and modernity.
3: We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to the
12: Bonjour. Bonjour. Comment allez-vous?
6: Oui, est-ce que
3: Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common: we have hope for humanity we and have the world.
14: Chairman Railway Company Doye Park, the ...director Deutsche of the International found, Nations Climate.
3: Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world.
13: CGTN Radio. Hear the difference.
11: I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No
9: matter if you are a rookie 你好, or
12: a sophisticated learner.
11: There is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a word that starts with Ni
4: Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Bigel with you on this Friday, still to come. In business, China's planning further efforts to support economic growth. In sports, Team China's comeback win at the World Cup qualifiers. In culture and entertainment, celebrating China's long history of poetry, painting and calligraphy. To contact us, you can email radio at com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. But first of all, a check of the day's headline news. Chinese and Japanese leaders have reaffirmed their commitment to four political documents governing bilateral relations and strategic reciprocity between the two sides. The statement came after Chinese President Xi Jinping met Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida on the sidelines of the APEC Economic Leaders' Meeting in San Francisco. President Xi urged the two sides to view each other's development objectively and manage their differences in a constructive manner. President Xi also met with Brunei Sultan Haji Hassanal Bolkiah, reaffirmed affirming China's willingness to advance the Belt and Road cooperation with Brunei. He expressed China's readiness to import more quality products from Brunei and encourage more Chinese businesses to invest in the Southeast Asian country. Earlier, President Xi also held meetings with leaders from Mexico, Peru and Fiji. The Chinese presidents emphasized the importance of sustainable development for the world, calling it the golden key to addressing current global issues. Speaking at the APEC leaders' informal dialogue with the host nation in San Francisco, President Xi Jinping called on APEC member economies to further consolidate consensus and take action to drive global sustainable development forward. Earlier, the Chinese president delivered a a written speech at the APEC CEO Summit calling for unity to achieve better Asia-Pacific cooperation. He said, development for all is the overarching goal of Asia-Pacific cooperation, and seeking common ground while shelving differences is the best practice. The president said that China remains the most powerful engine of global growth and will generate one-third of global growth this year. He says China remains committed to pursuing development with its doors open. The Israeli military says it's uncovered a Hamas tunnel and weapons at Gaza's al-Shifa hospital. Hamas has denied Israel's claim. Israel says its army withdrew from the hospital on Wednesday, 16 hours after storming it, but tanks and forces are still stationed in the vicinity. Palestinian medics have expressed concerns for the lives of hundreds of patients and medical staff at al-Shifa hospital, which has run out of fuel and has been cut off for more than a day after Israeli forces entered. The Gaza Health Ministry says more than 11,000 Palestinians have died since the conflict began. Israel says the number of deaths on its side stands at around 1,200. The United Nations is looking for ways to evacuate Al-Shifa Hospital, but options are limited by security and logistics constraints. The Spanish Congress has re-elected Pedro Sanchez as prime minister. Sanchez had 179 uh, 179 votes for and 171 against, with no abstentions. Reports say he's considering whether to retain Nadia Calvino as the economy minister, since she's also the frontrunner, to become the next head of the European Investment Bank. Sanchez has vowed to extend measures to help people deal with the high cost of living by making public transport free for the unemployed and young people and providing mortgage relief for some homeowners. SpaceX has postponed its second attempt to launch the Starship rocket system into space by a day. It's now scheduled to lift off from Texas on Saturday. CEO Elon Musk says that a piece of flight control hardware needed to be replaced. This is the second launch attempt after the first one in April exploded just four minutes after liftoff. The goal is to build a fully reusable rocket uh, capable of carrying 150 tons and facilitating human missions to the moon and Mars. China's inaugurated the National Giant Panda Conservation and Research Center in Chengdu. The center in southwest China serves as a world-class platform for research cooperation and exchange. Officials say the center has established an academic committee and a national innovation alliance. The center is expected to build a key giant panda laboratory and promote the establishment of similar labs for other endangered animals. It's initiated two major research projects to protect the wild giant panda population and habitat in national parks and improve the genetic diversity of the captive giant panda population. This is Shane Bigham in the Chinese Capital. Coming up in business, China's planning further efforts to support economic growth.
11: Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. 36
4: minutes past the hour now. In business, stock markets on the Chinese mainland finish higher on Friday. Timothy Pope has more.
10: Chinese mainland markets held their ground today. Uh, The Shanghai Composite Index uh, was uh, up only about a tenth of 1%, but it was defending a modest weekly gain. Trade was relatively thin after a week of important data and events, uh, including uh, the meeting between uh, Presidents Xi Jinping and Joe Biden earlier in the week. Uh, The markets are also waiting for uh, the People's Bank of China's uh, next benchmark interest rates announcement, uh, which is due next week. Uh, Expectations are that the PBOC will keep both the one-year and five-year rates unchanged healthcare consumer and material stocks were offsetting some losses among real estate financial and uh, energy shares in shanghai most of the attention was on alibaba which fell 10 percent after announcing that it's scrapping plans to spin off and list its cloud computing division Uh, Plans for uh, an AliCloud IPO were announced with great fanfare earlier in the year and gave a lift to Alibaba stocks, uh, with investors expecting some significant dividends to flow from what's tipped to be a future growth engine for the company.
4: That was Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index was down over 2.1%. In Japan, the Nikkei gained nearly half a percent. China's top economic regulator says the country will uh, make continuous efforts to expand domestic demand and support high quality development. According to the National Development and Reform Commission, uh, China will steadily restore and expand consumption and vigorously promote elderly care and child care facilities in urban communities. Spokeswoman Li Chao says they'll continue to take steps to safeguard people's well being.
12: We will fortify and implement the Employment First policy and perform well in expanding recruitment of college graduates, rural migrant workers, and other jobless groups. We will smooth logistics flows for crucial commodities and safeguard market supply and stable prices. We will ensure people can spend a safe and warm winter time with sufficient supplies of coal, electricity, oil, gas, and transportation during the peak power usage periods.
4: Lee says the Commission will continue to support the high-quality development of enterprises by accelerating the transformation and upgrading of traditional industries, cultivating strategic emerging industries, and arousing new dynamism for the innovative development of uh, the digital economy. Openness, inclusiveness, and seeking common ground while shelving differences were some of the key messages from President Xi Jinping's written speech at the APEX CEO Summit. For more on China's vision for Asia-Pacific cooperation, Michael Wang spoke with Hong Hao, chief economist of Grow Investment Group.
2: And how I want to talk about trade because China is, of course, part of the world's largest free trade agreement, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement, RCEP for short. Uh, President Xi said the country is also working to align itself with the high-standard economic and trade rules of two other regional FTAs, namely the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, so the CPTPP, as well as the Digital Economy Partnership Agreement, or DEPA. So uh, what's your take on China's overall commitment to high-standard opening up and to further expand market access? Uh, Yes, Um, I think... um Especially during the years of pandemic, you know, China has proven itself to be, you know, the the major uh, global supply center and manufacturing center. And I think, you know, because of China's endeavor, uh, you know, the, the rest of the world actually get to, you know, have plenty of supply, you know, during the, uh, the years of pandemic. And so I think now, you know, this uh, initiative uh, has been going around for a few years. And I think China, you know, being one of the leaders uh, of this uh, new uh, trade initiative, you know, has been trying hard to include many of the trading partners uh, to come uh, uh, and become a, a bigger three-trade uh, three zone uh, so you know as you can see if you look at the uh, competition of chinese exports these days uh, over half actually uh, is going to uh, southeast and uh, southeast asian countries and Asian countries and, and and the share of these countries uh, as uh, as part of china's import is actually larger uh, than the u.s imports uh, these days All right so it's, it's in, increasingly showing us that the importance of this region uh, to China and also to the rest of the world. So I think, you know, uh, uh, you know, at this uh, summit, uh, everything is going well, and I think, um, you know, everybody is uh, trying to work together again. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, an expansion and more inclusion into the uh, into this biggest uh, future zone.
4: That was Hong Hao, chief economist of Grow Investment Group, talking about China's vision for Asia-Pacific cooperation. China will issue a series of measures in the fourth quarter to boost the innovative development of foreign trade. The Ministry of Commerce says that it will promote the introduction of measures to foster trade cooperation in new energy vehicles and advance high-quality development. Additional steps will also be taken to fully leverage the role of cross-border e-commerce pilot zones in upgrading traditional industries and promoting digital upgrading in the industrial sector. The 12th APEC Small and Medium Enterprises Technology Conference has taken place in Qingdao, Shandong Province. Over 1,600 companies from APEC economies participated, and Sunyat reports.
12: At the opening ceremony, Vice Minister of Industry and Information Technology Xu Xiaolan said China would continue to open up and improve its business environment, and that it would help and support local SMEs entering international markets. Xu described SMEs as the backbone of economic vibrancy for China and the Asia-Pacific region. And for SMEs in the region, growth opportunities could come from a range of new, smart, and green sectors.
13: One of the ones we're giving special attention is the electromobility. You know, everything that goes in electromobility that goes from cars, electric cars, hybrid cars, and all the the, the suppliers that come with them. We want to make uh, uh, Mexico the next China hub in the Americas in order to supply the American market.
8: Most of the companies in Ecuador are either small or, or medium-sized enterprises, so there's a lot of interest in, in improving, especially technology-wise. We know China is a leader in technology development, and we need to incorporate some of the newest technologies in our productive system, both in manufacture but also in agriculture.
12: And as this business matchmaker from Pakistan told us, there's a growing need and will for SMEs from different countries to engage with one another. Our uh,
1: 2030 goal is like uh, expanding uh, matchmaking business between China and Pakistan uh, three times. Like we have already done 1,500 matchmaking companies between China and Pakistan. And by 2030, we wanted to uh, make it to 7,500 companies.
12: This local Qingdao company is showcasing its powerful automatic drilling robot at the fair. It's hoped that this device will also find use far from home. APEC
5: economies including Russia, Indonesia, Mexico and the ones that produce oil could all use the robots.
12: Since its first edition in 1996, this SME fair has worked to build a platform for businesses from APAC members to display and trade new technologies and exchange new ideas. And now in its 12th edition, the fair has continued to promote win-win cooperation.
4: And that was Yet reporting. Shanghai has released a plan for establishing a pilot zone for Silk Road e-commerce cooperation to deepen cross-border trade under the Belt and Road Initiative. Shanghai will set up a global distribution center to better serve cross-border e-commerce. It will expand international data centers, implement high standards for trade, and facilitate cross-border UN settlement for Silk Road e-commerce cooperation. Uh, To spur international and uh, regional exchanges, the city will also set up a think tank for Silk Road e-commerce cooperation, promote the application, of digital technologies and build an international service system. Shanghai is expected to play a pioneering role in aligning with high-standard international economic and trade rules and exploring institutional innovation. The ongoing 25th China High-Tech Fair in Shenzhen is showcasing achievements in machine tool manufacturing. For instance, uh, Shenzhen Institute of Advanced Technology designed the Five-Axis Machining Center, known as the mother of the industry. Uh, The center provides technical support for manufacturing everything from ordinary components to large precision equipment in strategic emerging industries, including aerospace and new energy vehicles. Covering 500,000 square meters, the fair has attracted more than 4,900 enterprises from over 100 countries and regions and is the largest gathering of its kind. That fair will last until Sunday. Official data shows that Mongolia's gross domestic product grew 6.9% in the first three quarters of this year. The country's GDP amounted to around 13.5 billion U.S. dollars. According to the National Statistics Office, the increase was primarily driven by significant growth in mining exports. Mongolia is rich in natural resources, and the mining sector has been a main driver of economic growth for years. That was your uh, business update. Coming up in sports, Team China's comeback win at the World Cup qualifiers.
3: From the first day I was here, I just love China. Why as China instead of other countries? That's the essence of China. Why the village instead of the
10: city? When we talk about Shangshan Zhenqing, you know, rural revitalization. As
3: China's rural revitalization continues, we talked to expats to find out their reasons for choosing to live in the country's villages for years or even decades.
15: Everyone knew and
10: everyone cared see about See around them, people investing in that.
3: They also share their experiences and views on the development and reconstruction of the countryside over the years.
15: The village became much cleaner. So that was the best thing because all the families got back together.
3: Learn more about what's going on in China's vast rural areas through my expat life in rural China. Here on Cat Lounge on CGTN Radio.
4: Uh, 47 minutes past the hour now. And uh, turning to sports, here's Brandon Yates.
14: Thank you, Shane. We begin with football news. And China came from behind to beat Thailand 2-1 in their 2026 World Cup qualifier clash on Thursday in Bangkok. The hosts broke the deadlock in the 23rd minute through a counter attack. China quickly got back on level terms minutes later as Wu Lei managed to slide in at the back post. China completed the turnaround in the 74th minute, and unmarked Wang Shuang Yuan finished with a diving header. Wu said conceding first did not affect the team's momentum. We
13: were playing a way game, which is never easy, so we prepared all the possible difficulties that we might face. We learned something about our opponents before the game and we knew that Thailand were eager to win but we wouldn't let them get that three points. We're here to win. Even though we conceded an early goal, I think all the players were prepared for all kinds of situations on the pitch, so we knew we could bounce back, and that goal didn't affect our
14: momentum much. In an earlier fixture on Thursday, South Korea crushed Singapore 5-0. China will host South Korea on November 21st. Defending European football championship winners Italy face North Macedonia this weekend. Italy coach Luciano Spalletti believes his squad must only think about this game. Only
4: that result, the victory, counts. Then from tomorrow night we will think about other things, but that's what we want to do now. You can make... 2,000 arguments about how we have to win easily or with more effort, but then you have to go and win this game and also perform well, because often the result is the product of the performance.
14: In other selected Euro 2024 qualifier fixtures, England takes on Malta, Denmark faces Slovenia, Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal plays Iceland and Spain locks horns with Georgia. In tennis, Novak Djokovic defeated Herbert Hercats in his final round-robin match at the ATP Finals. However, he faced a nervous wait before his qualification for the semifinals was confirmed. The defending champion saw off Hercats a replacement for the injured Stefanos Tsitsipas 7-6, 4-6, 6-1. Djokovic then needed to hope Sinner beat Holger Rune so he could advance to the last four. Sinner ended up winning 6-2, 5-7, 6-4 to see Djokovic qualify from the green group. After the match, Djokovic spoke of his historic battles with fellow great Rafa Nadal.
4: I think it would be nice, you know, uh, for the sport to uh, have at least one more match uh, between Nadal and me. Uh, That's the the biggest
11: rivalry in terms of the amount of matches played uh, that this sport ever had, so... Hopefully, hopefully that can happen, you know, uh, he's,
4: um, he's a big warrior, he's somebody that uh, really uh, never gives up and with all the injuries that he had, keeps going, that's definitely something that you have to respect uh, and admire about about him and his spirit. So, you know, for, for the world of tennis, no doubt that it's uh, amazing news
14: that he'll be back. Sinner and Djokovic are the semi-final representatives from the Green Group. Daniil Medvedev has advanced from the red group. Carlos Alcaraz or Alexander Zverev will complete the semi final lineup. Australia edged past South Africa by three wickets in a low scoring Cricket World Cup semi final thriller in Kolkata. The Aussies booked their place in the final where they'll face unbeaten tournament hosts India. Australia consigned South Africa to a fifth World Cup semi final defeat while reaching their eighth final. The Proteas battled their way to 212 after a terrible start to the match. However, Australia managed to reach 215 for 7 in 47.2 overs. The final will take place this weekend. Tyson Fury and Oleksandr Usyk confirmed their undisputed heavyweight world title fight will take place on February 17, 2024. The two boxers butted heads and had to be pulled apart following a fiery press conference. The pair came face-to-face in London, confirming the long-awaited clash in Saudi Arabia. WBC champion Fury and WBO, IBF and WBA champion Usyk will look to claim the full set of titles. Ahead of the clash, Fury has claimed he is destined to go down as one of the greats.
13: We've been chosen, and I believe we're both destined to be here, um, to be in this uh, big fight in Saudi Arabia, the Ring of Fire. Um, And there's only one winner. And I'm destined to become the undisputed champion. And more than that, I'm destined to cement my legacy as the number one fighter in this era. And to
14: do that, I've got to beat this little man. And that's it. Simple as. Usyk made a biblical reference in his response. I want to tell one
13: story which looks very similar to our story with Tyson about David and Goliath. When the Lord gives me Tyson in my hands, I will make my job.
14: Usyk's most recent defense saw him come through the challenge of Britain's Daniel Dubois. Fury was expected to fight Usyk to unify all the belts on December 23rd, however he had a harder than expected 10-rounder victory against Francis Ngannou. Ngannou is a former UFC champion who was boxing professionally for the first time. The Shangdong heroes defeated the Nanjing Monkey Kings 86-81 in Chinese Basketball Association action on Thursday. Shangdong coach Ding Wei credited his side's defense and rebounding in the tough victory.
13: This was a really tough game, and it's not Nanjing who made it tough, but ourselves. We had a relatively low scoring rate, both on two-pointers and threes. Through a good defense and our traditional
14: advantage, which is rebounds, we finally won the game. The Shanxi Loong's defeated the Fujian Sturgeons 136-104. They extended their unbeaten streak to five matches. Elsewhere the Guangzhou Loong Lions overturned the Ningbo Rockets with a last second layup to scrape a 99-97 win. And finally Tiger Woods' ex-girlfriend has dropped her lawsuits against the golf superstar. This includes the trust that owns his Florida mansion. Benjamin Hodas, the attorney for Erica Herman, filed a one-paragraph notice dismissing her US$30 million lawsuit. Herman claimed that Woods promised she could live at the beachfront mansion until 2026, however he allegedly kicked her out unexpectedly last year. Hodas also wrote that she was never a victim of harassment or abuse from Woods or his management team. Hodges had previously stated Herman suffered these abuses, a claim that Herman has since denied.
4: Right, thank you very much. That was Brandon Yates with Sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, celebrating China's long history of poetry, painting, and calligraphy. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from
12: X-Men: Days of Future Past. You are listening to the Beijing Hour.
6: Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to the Beijing Hour.
12: Hi everyone,
9: I'm Lang Lang. Welcome
4: to
1: the Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China
4: and the world. Fifty-four minutes past now, and turning to culture and entertainment, Yang Guang joins us now. Thank
1: you, Shane. China's National Art Museum is exhibiting artworks from Pujiang County, considered the home of poetry, painting, and calligraphy in China. Pujiang in Zhejiang Province is the site of the Neolithic Shangshan culture, which dates to between 8,500 and 11,000 years ago. The 16th Pujiang China Painting and Calligraphy Festival's Beijing exhibition has over 150 pieces on display. Play. Paintings and calligraphy from the late Qing dynasty to the present day are included as well They depict landscapes of villages and the changing lives in the county A New York Philharmonic exec has reflected on strategic partnerships made during a recent China tour Ling Lin has more
15: So Julie, in your presentation today you spoke about the importance of cultivating artistic platforms for mutual enrichment. So what are some key takeaways that you hope audience will walk away with? I focused a lot on strategic partnerships and how they can help elevate Artistic platforms, and that we're stronger together working with others as opposed to trying to do things by ourselves. So, my hope is that the key takeaway is that we find more opportunities to collaborate and find cross cultural um, partnerships, you know, and finding uh, whether that's artistic programming, whether that's in educational activities, and you know, learning from each other, and also recognizing the things that make us different or um, unique are things that can complement with another partner. What sort of projects have you worked on that involves these kind of strategic partnerships? So the New York Philharmonic has actually for the last 10 years been partnering with the Shanghai Symphony. And so in Shanghai, uh, with the symphony, we've been doing uh, concerts there with the orchestra, with New York Phil going to Shanghai, performing as part of the Misa Festival. We've also sent musicians there outside of that to do educational teaching with the Shanghai Orchestral Academy students. Um, We've also been co-commissioning a work that is premiering, world premiere will be this Friday, November 17th at Shanghai Symphony um, of Emigre. It's never been heard before. um, And so that is going to be an oratorio that is a story about two um, Jewish refugees who escaped Nazi Germany and were taken into uh, the Shanghai community and embraced and really adopted living in China. And so it's, you know, telling the story of humanity, about um, empathy, about compassion. And so that's a really important partner, artistic partnership. We will bring that same piece to New York in February and do the U.S. premiere of it. And we will also have a stage production. So there will be costumes and, you know, people moving around on stage, uh, video projection and lighting and everything like that. And then that piece will go on to be performed by the Deutsche Orchestra in Berlin, and then also um, Hong Kong Philharmonic. So so it's uh, growing in popularity. And then Shanghai Symphony is also recording it uh, for Deutsche Grammophon, the recording label. So there will be an audio recording released of it. We're talking about maybe doing a video uh, capture of it, of the stage production. But this is all being done in co commission partnership with the Shanghai Symphony.
1: That was Lin Lin reporting. And finally, the Austrian Cultural Center in Beijing has hosted an exhibition to commemorate International Day of Food Loss and Waste Awareness. The event at the Marker Cave Museum was a performance art exhibition which deeply explored the theme of food waste through performances and food design. The exhibition was another example of the friendly exchanges between Austria and China. Cultural exchanges between the two sides have remained active since diplomatic ties were established in 1971.
4: Right, thank you very much. That was Young Guang with Culture and Entertainment. We're at 58 past the hour. Beijing at minus 2 overnight, followed by sunny skies and a high of 12 on Saturday. Chongqing's down to 9, then cloudy with 17. is uh, 0 overnight, then cloudy in 12. Hong Kong's down to 16, and then sunny with a high of 23. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 12 overnight. It'll be partly cloudy in 16 on Saturday. Islamabad's at 13 tonight, then cloudy in 25. Bangkok's down to 23 degrees, then partly cloudy skies and a high of 30. That's it for this edition of The Beijing Hour. Making news today, the leaders of China and Japan have met at the APEC Summit in San Francisco, reaffirming commitment to four political and strategic documents. And Israel's military says it's found tunnels and weapons under a hospital in Gaza. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bingham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of The Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.
13: Take away Chinese where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Take away Chinese, we will promise you a difference.
15: Hello everybody, welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing.
0: Roundtable Roundtable
15: Roundtable
0: Connecting China and the world
12: We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every
11: day Tune in to Roundtable where the East meets the West and understanding is the goal
0: From North to South, East to West people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys.